In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our primary vocation is shaped and defined in the baptismal covenant. The church in her wisdom, for the nurture of her people, call forth men and women to live in such a way that is unique, set apart yet still within the community, and never set towering above all the body of Christ. All persons called to the unique ordered vocation are always mutually guided by the interconnected promises of their baptism and their ordination. Deacons must understand this. Priests must understand this. Bishops must understand this. There is nothing triumphant in the vows that we make. We are reminded again and again in the New Testament that all who follow Jesus are to be called servants, not masters. For it is Jesus himself who proclaims, I am among you as one who serves. In a world filled with those who seek authority through power, we are reminded of how different authority is when it seeks to be faithful. We are reminded that authority which is granted for the sake of and care of others is radically different from the authority of self-interest and far more powerful. Our gospel lesson reminds us that Mary assumes the priest's role as one who anoints in her radical act of hospitality, lavish attention, an astonishing extravagance breaks the boundaries of what's expected and takes that costly oil and pours it over Jesus' feet. And the strong, musky smell wafts out from Jesus and fills the entire house. In fact, the gospel writer makes a special point of describing the perfume that Mary uses, the extravagant costliness of it, the way the smell filled the entire house. The text says that Mary took a whole pound of costly nard worth three quarters of a year's wages for a laborer, painstakingly distilled from a plant that grows far away on the high slopes of the Himalayas. One scholar has gone so far as to say that this ancient version of I don't know, Chanel number five, <laughs> in today's economy would be around $30,000 in value. The smell of it was considered to be refreshing, exhilarating. It was said that smelling this could help you forget deep-seated grief. It would ease the transition from life to death and even had healing properties. What an amazing gesture by Mary. It raises the question, what was her motive? Why didn't she simply use water since guests customarily received a basin of water to wash their dirty feet? 
Why not offer oil to the disciples? Was it her thankfulness for new life? It seems that to Mary, money was no object. Such a costly act for one who would soon do an even costlier act. And while we might thoughtfully wrestle with these questions concerning Mary's motives, I am more inspired by another question at the heart of this story. What are God's greater motives? Could it be that through Mary, the truth of the gospel would be proclaimed? Could it be to point us and remember that the least, the lost, and the lonely, and the last in our society? Gail Ramshaw writes that the least that Christians who are not poor can do, anointed by the Spirit, is hold the needs of the poor before God every single week. Is God showing us God's most costly act? Jesus' road to Calvary, revealing to us God's own self on the cross, a costly, scandalous act. Just as Mary knows that her gift was priceless, so too does God's priceless act, that priceless grace, go far beyond our understanding. Because that priceless grace is beyond all knowing, we endeavor to share and spread the good news far and wide. So, we gather here to remember our ordained vows, to listen to our voices saying them out loud, to hear our colleagues repeat them with us. I am present as your bishop for my soul's sake, to repeat my promises and to be encouraged and strengthened by all of yours. We are also here to renew our commitment to be servant leaders who are not ashamed to get on our knees, to roll up our sleeves, to pour out the precious gifts God has lavished upon us, and for the sake of the gospel, get dirty. It makes a difference when the sacraments are brought to the sick and when a compassionate word is spoken to those who are in hospitals or nursing care facilities and often limited by failing physical and mental capacities. It makes a difference when we preach the gospel with urgency and joy. Properly interpreted and the words of Christ come alive in the midst of the people. It makes a difference when people are organized and trained to serve others in Christ's name. It makes a difference when a child is brought into this world with prayer and made a member of this incomparable tradition by water and the Holy Spirit. It makes a difference when parents and godparents are prepared to promise to see that that child they present 
will be brought up in the Christian life and faith. It makes a difference when worship is carefully prepared and music is carefully selected, which places God and no one else as the focus of our praise and adoration. It makes a difference when this oil, which we send out with you today, is placed upon the bodies of the sick and dying in order that those in grave need might find healing and health. It makes a difference that the proper words are said and the dead are buried with dignity and reverence that befits the lives they have lived. We are all defined by the promises we make and the promises that we keep. The promises that we renew this day are ancient, binding, and yes, difficult. Not everyone is called to make them. But be assured that Jesus will and always does call each and every one of us to the edges. Indeed, I believe in the years to come, the relationships that you and I will be building with our parishioners will be put to the test. The issues which face our church and society will force us to depend upon the relationships we are building now. I believe we will need to have the deepest communion with God in order to be grace-filled tools and channels of the Spirit of God, which are so desperately needed in this moment, in this time. I am grateful to my brother and sister clergy for what you do. I continue to be inspired by the work you do to be uplifted by the wonderful ways in which you're making Christ's love known, the way you're stepping out to risk, to be bold, and know that I have your backs and that I love you. We do good work, and let us never forget that this Christ we love is more powerful than anything that can be thrown our way. So, my brothers and sisters, I pray that our sacramental service in bread broken, sweet wine shared, water splashed and poured, will so saturate the world that the stench of brokenness, greed, hatred, and alienation will be eradicated. I pray that the perfume of your preaching will so permeate the minds of our people and our pews that the gospel will not only be heard by our ears and our hearts, but that the word will be acted upon. I pray that the essence of evangelism seen in God's extravagant and costly love will spread by everyone in this place. For my friends, when we pour out that type of extremely impractical love and compassion on others, the burdens of life are erased 
and our devotion to Christ will break through holy moments of grace and renew hope for this dying world. Why do I pray and indeed believe all this is possible? Because as the Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians, we are the aroma of Christ, the very scent of the one who gave his life as a fragrant offering to God. Amen.